listening to the Derek Sante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Sante, and today I'm speaking with my brother from an amazing woman. You know you're lucky when you have someone like this brother in your corner. This brother of mine is one that I've grown with. Uh, We've been on the same path for quite a while in so many aspects of life and we share many things in common that's breathtaking at times that it's, you know, kind of scary. My twin, as we say, um, a man of many skills and talents. Please help me welcome my brother, Rayan Sterling. Welcome. (laughs) Oh, man. Thanks for the intro, man. It's it's kind of surreal. It it is, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I, so I had a I had a moment where I was thinking about, I guess, the journey that we've been on, and I've known a few people longer than you, yet I know them far less. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. and that hits me because I'm like. Time isn't necessarily, you know, the meaning behind a relationship, really. It doesn't really define a relationship, I don't think. It's it's the experiences along the way. I think that's what makes a relationship what it is. Very, very true. And um, when it comes to time, as time passes, you realize that certain relationships can potentially lose their value or impact on where you are and where your journey is right. uh, is going. So, um I, I, I reflect on that often where I'm just like, I look back in time and I was such a social butterfly. Um, I had so many friends. I remember going to work and at work, I finished work and I had like probably all like 10, 15 voicemails, 20, 30 missed calls because, you know, these are your friends, right? you know, right. five, 10 years passed. And like, I don't remember who some of those people were that were calling me because we we just we just drift apart. Where it's just like certain goals or certain motives in life they they change. You get hit with certain certain milestones in life, and you realize that certain things that were important to you in your youth, your early twenties, it's just like you know that's that's really not as important to me right now. Right. Right now, I I I place such a high value on peace and 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 quietness and just good food, but good home cooked food. You know what I mean? Like those are the things that, that excite me. So I I definitely hear you on, on that in regards to relationships. So it's funny that, you know, your episode 48 (laughs) and my goal for the year was 48 episodes. Really? (laughs) Get out of here. I know you're lying. No, 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 I kid you not. I know you're lying. It, it, no, I, I kid you not. Like if you if you go on the on the pod and you'll see, it'll say uh, season one, whatever the episode number is of forty eight. Oh, so wait, so I'm closing out the year, basically. You're you're you're, you're semi closing out the year. I decided <laughs> to change it in the last month to push it to fifty. This guy, look at this guy. <laughs> but you I thought it was significant. One, eh? I, you you couldn't let me have it. <laughs> I thought it was just a, a nice coincidence. Like it just hit me because yeah, I've been trying to get you to do it earlier, 
mm-hmm. right? But our timing, schedules, and everything is kind of off, so it just worked out this way. Um, but I, <laughs> so I open every episode with a, a quote, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. The quote that I have for you today, right? I read it to you, and then you give me your initial thoughts. You ready? Okay, okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> this one reads: The sooner we learn that we are united by our passions and not divided by our differences is when success finds a home within us. Hmm. United by our passions, eh? Mm-hmm. The thing that jumps to me with that is that, and it's, it's very funny, this, this thought occurred to me recently. And I'm a very pro-Black individual. I like supporting my Black businesses like supporting my black people, I like having faith in the black culture. And um, I take note of the impact race has on me and individuals in society. But if it's one thing that I realize that transcends racial borders and just shines a bright light on humanity, is, is the arts mm. and through, cause when you, when, when you, when I hear the word passion, I, I, I think about the arts and being a creative and being able to share something like that with another person or the world and art, uh, being a creative individual or entertainment, just sharing a, a, a formal genius is a, is a great way to showcase passion and i look at the way people from different races interact with someone sharing their passion and you, it's, it's it's like if all is lost for humanity whether it's due to racial lines and someone taking a side on this side or that when when someone presents their art or their passion like the love and appreciation of that just transcends all that, all that borderline nonsense where it's just like, I can appreciate this individual. I can appreciate this human. I can love this person just for who they are because this passion is, is bringing me so much joy. So when I see like, like a comedian just telling jokes, like you watch some of Dave Chappelle's um, specials and they're really poignant. And his audience is very mixed and everybody's just having a good time. Right. You see people from any walks of life appreciating somebody's music. Okay, so so I came across this guy recently on um, Instagram and he's a DJ. I think it's Thick Music. And he has this beyond epic mashup of Michael Jackson and I think Phil Collins. Was like, oh, I the guy with the it. mask. The mask, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, it's just, you, you you see all these different people reacting to it, and it's 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 just a, a feeling of joy when you realize, like, so Michael Jackson and Phil Collins, yo, they they really brought their passion, their love for it, their their craft to the world, and they shared it with everybody, and was able to like bring people closer. You know what I mean? So when you, when when you can actually do that, when you realize that, I guess your, your passions can help unite people. People can come together under 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 a banner of like love, joy, creativity, freedom. Like it's it, it's a beautiful thing. So 
Well, yeah, it, man, no. it's funny. It's funny you, you mentioned those examples because if you think about it, sports, mm-hmm. you think about entertainment, you think about any, uh, you know, visual artists uh, that paints pictures and there's galleries and, um, you know, a musician and, and so forth, actors. Mm-hmm. So these people love what they do. That's their passion. That's their thing. That's the only thing they know how to do very, very, very well. And when they do it very well, the rest of us tune in and we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what race or ethnicity or culture they're from or gender or, or identity and so forth, we just enjoy it because there's an impact, mm-hmm. right? They have an impact on us. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, where it brings people together, regardless of our differences, mm-hmm. we need to enjoy and celebrate it. And so really what we're saying is if you are passionate about what it is that you do, it's naturally going to attract people towards you. Yeah, man. Right? And that's where the success comes in. It's not about how much money you're making. It's about how much joy and impact you're having on other people. 100%. You know, so... Now, I want to start from the beginning. I want to go way back. Way, way, way way back. back. Um, (laughs) Where are you from originally? Um, Yeah, let's start from there. Where are you from originally? (laughs) Uh, I'm from Jamaica. Uh, Montego Bay, Mombi and Maban. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, so so that's where I'm from. How, how long I'm how from. long were you there for before you left and, and made your way to this um, part of the world? <laughs> I was I left Jamaica when I was 11. Okay, I came to Canada December 31st, New Year's Eve, three wow. days before my sister's first birthday. Winter. Yeah. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. You, 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 those <laughs> stories are true. When people from West Indian countries come to foreign Canada, US in winter for the first time, they walk off the plane and they get hit with, with that, that cold. Like it's, it sucked onto my bones. I was like, what is this? Because I was, truth be told, I was, I was practicing. In my, <laughs> I was practicing in my kitchen, opening the freezer, putting my hands in there like, uh, I can manage this. It's not too cold. It's not too cold. The ice that's in the freezer, that, that has to be what snow is like. That's you know, too cold. The freezer doesn't have that windshield, you know? Right. <laughs> freezer don't have the windshield. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it, it was it was it was a sobering experience coming off that plane, man. Oh my, wow. my, it's it's like you're you hear that you're going to Walt Disney, you're going to see Mickey Mouse and Goofy and all these guys, and your wide-eyed excitement. You get to the park and you realize that Mickey Mouse is some some guys <laughs> underneath the suit smoking a cigarette. You're like you're you're ruining the dream for me. Like, what's going on? So coming off that plane was was mean. So it, it's just like mm. okay, this this sucks. I'm I'm coming here three days before my sister's first my first sister's birthday. Yeah. This sucks even more. You know what I mean? So I'm like I, I don't know about this place, B. But wow. uh, here I am. I made a life for myself, and I was actually very blessed and fortunate to be able to come to Canada. Granted, the circumstances behind why I came is it wasn't all peaches and. Uh, peaches and cream, sunshine and rainbow. So wait, uh, wait, wait, what's what's okay? Keep keep it brief, but I want to get an idea of what that is, though. Okay, so yo, know, these 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 kids up here, they don't know what hard life is. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it be known. All right, talk to them. Talk to them. <laughs> I was 10 years old looking for a job. I was gonna sell donuts on the street or sell mangoes on the street. I was speaking of vendors coming from school, walking from school to go home because I'm like, yo, me and my mom's is on our face. I'm like, yo, I got to get a job to help her out because we could not afford to send me to school. That's one of the reasons why I came to Canada. Well, and this is Schooling, this is at 10 years old. This is at 10 years old, bro. Wow. The reality of like, I understood my role where it's just like, I'm a part of a unit. The unit is not doing well. I have to be able to pull my part. So there was no time for being a brat or whining or complaining about this, that, and the third. Like, yo, food has to be put on the table. How can I help my mom? So that's one of the reasons why my mom had to send me up here because the opportunities were in Jamaica were, were very limited, very minimal. You know what I mean? Great educational system because I came up here and I was I was pulling on all these Canadian kids in school. But it's just like, yo, I couldn't afford books. Right. Couldn't afford, I guess, quote unquote, tuition mm-hmm. to come up here to know that these guys have school free. Right. And these guys are all here complaining about life beyond me. When I see, and we'll probably touch on this in the future, but when I see certain like young adults yeah. Moving like bums on the street. I'm just like, you you guys have it so backwards. The privilege that you guys have being born a Canadian citizen and the opportunities you have afforded to you that you guys just squander and waste is insulting to people who come from way, way harder environment and, and trying to make a way from themselves to sit down and want to hear you complain but about life. But that's what it is, though. When, when there's no adversity in your life, you know... You don't know how to how to push forward. You don't know how to lift yourself up. Like it, adversity builds character, right? So yeah, I was about to say that, man. It's a hundred percent. You know, so if you've never felt that, and then when you finally hit it, when you're a little bit of a you know a young adult, you don't even know how to re- respond to it. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, you kind of just say, okay, well, life's too hard. Uh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to coast. Yeah, man. Right, or I'm gonna wait for another handout, or whatever the case might be. But yeah, that's ten. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to say I have stories for days because I was I was a young yeah, yeah. young guy, but I got <laughs> I got some stories. But that's one of the main reasons why my mom decided to send me up here with my dad. It's just like, yo. Oh, okay. So wait, wait, wait. Your dad was already up here. Yeah, my dad was. Well, <laughs> so the plan was. And my dad would come up here, mm-hmm. start life, and then send for me and my mom. Right. Yeah, that didn't that 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 plan got scrapped, and and you didn't get the memo. Maybe well, me and my mom didn't get the memo. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that memo that memo came a couple of years late. Wow. But um, it was just one of those things where it's like, listen, you have to do what's right for your your son, what's best for your son, and he's like, I. No problem, you know what I mean? So if it's to send them up here and give them better schooling and whatnot, I can make it happen. This is, a, like, I'm telling you, honestly, there's, there's, there's things that happen in my life that I, I tend to forget because they're somewhat traumatic and yeah. they're somewhat, like, crazy for me to rationalize them now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. It must be a lie. I must be making it up. Right. The story goes, my dad told my stepmom that I'm coming to live with the family on on the on Tuesday, and I came like on a Wednesday. Mm. 
So like 24 hours before my plane lands in Canada, it's like, oh yeah, my big son is coming to live with the family. Whoa. So the type of relationship that I had with my stepmom and the, the environment that I walked in wasn't something that was warm uh, and welcoming. You know what I mean? There was right. a level of hostility in the environment. Like I remember coming into the apartment and Doug was on TV. Like remember, white TV had their, their, their nice little lineup. Like it had Doug, it had what a mess. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, yo, this is cartoons, bro. Yo, this is, this is crazy. This is, this is nice. Wow. And little did I know that, yo, the next couple of years of my life was going to be, there's going to be, it's going to be crazy, man. So, crazy. okay. So what I got now is your mom is back in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Your dad is here. He already started a new family because you're coming into that family. Mm-hmm. Did your mom know that he started a new family? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. so the, she already knew that, you know, it wasn't really going to go anywhere with her and him. Right. You know what I mean? Because at this point, she 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 now had my sister. Got it. Got it. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's crazy because I've had, I had, I had, and this will probably be, this will probably lead, lead, lead to something later on in our conversation. But I distinctly remember my stepfather, my sister's father, walking out on my mom and his daughter at six weeks old, just born. He ups and leaves the family. Wow. And I remember standing in front of the house, holding my mom's hand, watching this man go in his cab with his stuff, leaving his daughter, six weeks old, saying that, yo, I'm done. I'm out of here. And I, 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 I never liked a guy because of that. And I'm like, rightfully so, you're a piece of crap. Right. You know I mean, but I had very, I have very fond memories of the dude. Like, you know what I mean? He was, mm. he was, he was like a father figure for right. me. You know what I mean? Especially since my dad, was out of our lives. So I appreciated and welcomed that father figure coming in. But to think that this man did that to my, my mom's, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, this, this world is psych. So, so even then as a young boy, I, I realized if my mom tell you the story, like she, she always says the story, but it is heartbreaking. Cause from her vantage point, she's like looking at the situation. And what I told my mom was like, Oh my gosh, He's leaving you just like he, just like how my dad left you. Right. So even at a young age, I could recognize that, yo, my mom is having, is going to have a hard go of it. Right. Like she just had a baby for a man, baby six weeks old, and a man gets up and leaves her. And I felt sad for my mom, not crying at her situation, like, oh no, what are we going to do? But like, yo, it's just got real deep. You know what I mean? This is not sunshine and rainbows. It's, we got to be on go mode time. So um, crazy. Wow. So how many siblings do you have? Is it just you and your sister or you have other siblings? Two, two sisters. That's it. One from my mom and one from my dad. So funny enough, when my mom had my sister and I, I came up here, mm-hmm. my dad had a, a daughter with my stepmom. Okay. So I was, I was, and it's a funny situation because I can, I can look in from my stepmom's side. She's just like, I just had a baby with you. We officially started a family. Like I had, I had a, a son. Uh, with the next uh, person, they're done. 
So she met my dad and now they have him, my, my sister, they start in their union together and here my dad comes like, oh yeah, my son's coming tomorrow to live with us. Right, <laughs> right, tomorrow right. To live with us. Yeah, 24 like hours it, notice. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's too much. Like you, you, you just, you just you're, you're a new mom a second time and what, you're going to be a, a mom to a, to a kid you don't know that's coming tomorrow to live with you guys forever. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. But are you and both your sisters in uh, frequent communication? See, and that's a that's a topic of, of family right there for me, mm. because the answer is 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 no. Is no. Um, the concept of family to me or for me has has been, let's say, disrupted. Like I find it, it's 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 a labor at times to call on like special occasions to be like, Hey, happy Easter. Hey, Merry Christmas. Right. And just out of the blue, because it's, it's weird. I never had, I never really had that. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not a comfort zone for me to be like, Oh, let me just go call call up this person who's, and a lot of family I have up here are like family that is through my stepmom's family. Right. Right. You know, I still consider them family. though we're not blood related, but you know, they're still family. But even then, it's hard for me to establish that relationship or build that rapport. But whenever we do connect, it's all love. Mm-hmm. But just that initiation is, has always been weird to me because I never really grew up with that. Because in those formative years, being a teenager, like those bonds you would build that would just solidify certain relationships, right. uh, it, it wasn't there with family. Like even my family back home, mm-hmm. I got separated from them coming up here. So even even trying to connect back with them, it's, it's weird. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's no, there's no familial, uh, grounds for us to stand on, to have a conversation on. Right. Right. <sighs> Sorry to hear that. Now, so you come to Canada, your high school days, hmm. right? So which, which high school did you attend? So I came, I came to Canada. I went to Elm Bank. Oh, the middle school there. I mean, yeah, I went to middle school, came in grade six. But the joke is that I came to Elmay. Okay, next um, middle school was being built called Humblewood Downs. Mm. And they were going to take some of the kids from Elmbank and have them go to Humblewood Downs to start the school. Right. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of that group selected to go to Humblewood Downs. So I was at Elmbank for only two weeks. And that was like a culture shock to me because, yo, some of these kids were thuggy, bro. And I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> middle school, I was, bro. I, I wasn't, I wasn't used to, I wasn't used to the bravado <sighs> because in Jamaica, the baddest of the baddest of the baddest kid will get, will get whipped yeah, yeah. and beatings from the teacher, the principal, their mom, and then their dad. Right. So when it came, when it came to education, you had to be on your P's and Q's. You can't go on like you're bad in the school or nothing like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I see these kids under like, yo, this teacher is dumb. Or you can't talk to me like that, man. Or they're flexing. Like uh, my whole world exploded. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. The teacher's about to take the belt off and whoop the crap out of this kid. <laughs> like I'm just sitting down waiting for the, the she comedy gave routine. She timeout. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody. Like I, I, I was the guy that when the teacher asked a question, I would push my chair out, stand up, answer the question. Yeah. Sit back down, tuck my chair in. Yeah. All eyes on me in the class. Now, what the hell is this guy doing? I'm just like, isn't that what you guys do? 
you raise your hand to answer a question. You answer a question, you stand at attention, present your answer, sit back down, and pay attention to the lesson. These guys thought I was, I was ultra hella weird. So <laughs> even then, I had to learn to adapt to my new social surroundings because I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to survive. I'm not yeah, gonna survive if this if, if this was Big Brother. Right. I'm voted out on episode one. I'm trying to make a million dollars out here. You know what I mean? I got no chance. I got no chance. You know what I mean? Worse, I call puberty was around the corner. Oh, you need alliances right now. I need alliances, man. Come on. So yeah, man. Wow. How difficult were those years, though? It was very difficult, but I was a I was a quick I was a quick study. Mm. I was a very quick study because. It's like um, when you're a teenager, your 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 social surroundings and mm-hmm. your peers and the 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 seeking for of approval from them is so much more important than the uh, approval of your parents. Yeah. So it it was so important for me to be successful socially in this new um, surrounding. So I had to adapt quick. If I wasn't, I was going to be dead. Right. And dead, I mean like minor beats were yeah. a thing. Yeah. I found out about. So. Funny story, I came here in grade eight. These guys were like, I came here in grade six. And my friends that I eventually became friends with, they're like, yo, if this guy didn't shape up, bro, grade eight, you, you think I'm going to get the, the craziest, craziest in the in the summer grade eight beats. You just welcome him to grade nine and get nine beats then. Wow. You know what I mean? And it was, I just, I just, I just had to adapt. And that was just par for the course back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's crazy. That is crazy. So, okay, so you make it into grade nine. And you're on, now you're in high school. Which high school did you attend? I went to West Humber Collegiate Institute. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. How dope, was that? Dope, dope. Very, very good. Very good. You know what I mean? Um, I was a very buddy. Okay. I was a popular guy. Oh, so, okay, I mean? okay. So what made you become popular now at this point? All right. So I was an artist. I didn't start rapping just as yet. Oh, okay, when you say artist, what do you mean? Which which medium uh, are we talking draw. about? Okay. I could draw. Okay. You know what I mean? I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't I wasn't a baller. I wasn't a rapper. Uh, but I was uh, I could draw and I I was I was funny. Still am. Mm-hmm. I was funny, but um I was I guess I was I was I was I was I was fun to be around. Is it because you're light skinned? Yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. You know, who knows? Maybe y'all, maybe y'all, y'all, yeah, because y'all were running things, you know, back in the nineties, quite a bit. Like you, you ran, you ran your moment. You had your moment for quite a bit, yeah. you know. Hey, and the, the freckles help as well. You know what I mean? Right. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Life's good with freckles. But uh, yeah, man, um, I knew who I was, mm. and I think that was that was that was very key to me being uh, successful in my social uh, endeavors because I didn't follow the crowd per se. You know what I mean? I was, I was cool with the cool kids, right? but I didn't do what cool kid did to be cool. I was, I was, I was just, I was very comfortable in my own skin. Like I had friends who were nerds. So I would talk about, hold on, sorry to cut you, but um, this is, this is important. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious. What, like, how would you identify that you knew who you were? Like, what gave you that inclination that, okay, this is who I am, this is where I stand, and, and this is what I don't stand? Like, what experiences, whether it's through lessons your mom gave you, your dad gave you, where did that come from, that self-awareness? you know, that self-awareness? 
I, I think a hard life and struggle grows you or matures you before your time. Mm. And with that comes a perspective of what's important and what's not. Got it. And in the pursuit of being socially accepted, we, we sacrifice certain things that are key to our protocol of being who we are just to fit in. And because I understood what was important and more important than pleasing people to a certain degree, I was able to maintain that, that, that fabric of myself. Wow. So I could understand that, hey, I need, to, I need to change my ways to be able to survive mm. in this social climate. But I knew not to change myself enough just to fit in for the sake right. of fitting in. I still had a sense of who I was because I understood the importance of what I wanted to do in life. And I, I could sense the opportunity that was here in Canada. And I was like, I can't squander it because I wanted to be an animator. Mm. Love cartoons. In Jamaica, that opportunity really wasn't there. Right. Coming to Canada, the opportunity really presented itself. So I was like, uh, I ain't gonna squander this. School is free. Yeah, yeah. right. 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 So would you change anything in those um, early years from middle school to high school? Not, not really. Not really, because I had fun. Well, yes, yes, okay. yes. The one thing, the one, a more, more emphasis on, I guess, education and being a more studious uh, individual, mm. um, because as much as I didn't want to squander opportunities, I guess being successful socially kind of skewed, skewed or messed up some of my, my targets, milestones, goals, right. because, you know, I mean, high school was fun, but my marks could have been better. So you were distracted. And uh, I was distracted. So if I could be more studious, absolutely, because, you know, there, there's opportunities I could have taken better advantage of. Right. You right. know what I mean? So I'm happy where I, where I am, but I know if I had to redo it, I would, I would make um, better decisions. And I guess it's the same as with, with every, every, everything and everyone. If they had a chance to go back and redo that, they'd probably fine-tune certain things. Right. But I have to say this, man. I have to say this so people know. Mm-hmm. When I talk about being a popular guy, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just like, you're talking smack, bro. But it legit happened. My best friend in high school is, is Tunde. Mm-hmm. And the year prior, when it's yearbook sign-in, I realized, like, you're walking around signing on people's yearbook is very tedious. So on our final year, I had the grand idea, like, you know what? This year, we're not walking around to people. People are going to walk around and see us. Wow. What do I mean by that? I went into the cafeteria, bro, and I took the lunch table out, brought it into the great hall or the, the, the foyer, the main entrance of the school. Put it down. Got chairs. Girls start coming around. Then man them came through. Wrote my name and <laughs> taped it on a piece of paper. Wrote my name on a piece of paper, taped it in front of the, 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 the cafeteria lunch table something. And man's realized what's going on. It's like we had a symposium, bro. A panel <laughs> of cool kids sitting behind a desk. Music is bumping. The girls are right there. Man's them right there. And people were lining up for us to, for us to sign their yearbooks, B. Wow. Wow. So high school was fun. <laughs> Damn. That was you guys, huh? 
No, you get like I'm telling you, like sometimes I think about that I'm like, yo, Tunde, did that really happen? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 bro. It, it did. Like, it's, one, it's one of the highlights of like uh the cool, fun, popular stuff we did in school. Wow, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's dope. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, I look at it, I'm like, yo, that's pretty cool. If that wasn't like a Disney uh, TV show, I'm like, yo, those are the cool kids for real, for real. Like. Right? Y'all should, have, y'all should have some chips for sale and some candy and just yeah, I'm trying to make show it a you, move. Man. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to show you, like, yeah. If, like, if I could redo it, you know what I mean? I had the snacks on deck this time. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man. So you mentioned it already. Um, we share something in common, which is the the visual arts component, right? Mm-hmm. How was your connection with the arts formed? Like, how did you grow or come to love it? I mean, based on what you described so far, resources were kind of scarce back home in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so where did you fall in love with it? Was it back in Jamaica or was it when you made the transition to Canada? Great question. I was telling, telling the wife this, uh, recently sharing the story. It started in Jamaica. I'm an individual where I come to realize that we're all human beings. And if you can do something and you're a human, trust and best believe I can do it as well. Mm -hmm. If you can excel at something, I can excel at something. I learned this earlier on in life in Jamaica in grade four. There's two girls I liked in my class, a light skin thing and a dark skin thing. But a dark skin thing, her name was Nicole and I really liked her. Uh, the teacher was, wanted to put up some cards in the class mm-hmm. and she wanted to, to have pictures, I think, of like fruits and vegetables and want to put the, like, let's say the letter they begin with on mm-hmm. the card as well. We never had those flashcards right, <laughs> like, right. like up here. Right. We had to make them. So she asked anybody, <laughs> she asked if anybody in the class could draw some pictures that she could then, you know, probably have the, have the class color and we can put it up in the class and pictures and whatnot. So there's a guy in my class named O'Brien had glasses and he could draw and he could draw nice. Mm. Everybody loved his drawings. So teacher asked who could help me with this assignment. He put up his hand and everybody's like, yeah, he's a, he's a draughtist in the class. So he draws the stuff and I see this girl I, I, I love off, Nicole, just, just <laughs> clamoring over this guy's artwork. And I was like, yo, <laughs> if he can do it, of course I can do it. Right. It's just it's just a peasy's drawing. It's just a corny's drawing. Like anybody can do that. That's nothing special. Why is she liking this guy? So the hate was real. <laughs> the hate was real. So I went home and I'm like, yo, let me see if I can draw some things. You know what I mean? I draw some things, some things, and it, it came out nice. Like I had a knack for it. And then I had access to like some, I guess some some books, some like like Looney Tunes books or something like that. So I started off like drawing Bugs Bunny, Wiley Coyote, Tasmanian Devil, you know what I mean? Homer Fudd, all those guys. And that's what got, well, I used to always watch cartoons, but now be, to be able to draw those characters I liked, it was like a thing. So my love of art really started in Jamaica. And when it came up here and seeing the opportunities available, people who want to pursue a career in art, I was like, come on, you're, you're playing around, man. So yeah, I I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't slip. That's wild, eh? Now, I want to I want to I want to highlight something that you just said that's really important that you decided to go and try drawing all these things because your interest right of this girl mm-hmm. was so powerful mm-hmm. was so significant and important to you that you devoted time and energy 
to get better in order to gain that attention that you were seeking from her. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say a lot of people listening, if you're paying attention here, sometimes you don't even realize where your passion lies. But when the interest is so strong and you ignore it, that could have been your opportunity. Fact. You know, so that's that's just a nice little message there that I caught that I, I thought was very significant that that, you know, through the story, it just stood out to me. So that's that's important. Now, watch this. You probably don't know this, but it's a similar story as to how and why I got into rapping. Mm, hold that. Hold that. We're going to get into that. <laughs> We're going to get into that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want to stay on the, on, the, on the visual arts for now, and then we'll get into All the right. music in a minute. Now, when did you come to realize that you now love anime? Because every cartoon that you mentioned was not anime. Yeah, well, um, it, it's just the access to. So when I came when I came to Canada, I think it was Pokemon that was playing on on YTV, mm-hmm. and I saw it, and it was all these fashion lights and quick, fast cutscenes and action. I'm just like, yo, what is this? Fell in love with it, mm-hmm. and it was it was from, like the art style was different, the action was was better, and you know, what I mean, the storylines was just were just epic. It was right. not just comedic slapstick stuff right. with Looney Tunes and whatnot. It's like some serious action, like life or death struggling. Right, right, <laughs> the evil right. taking over the world. Yeah, so you, you could relate to that more. Yeah, I could relate to that more. And um, I just fell in love with uh, the cartoon characters and um, the messages behind some of them. Like one that I gravitated towards was was Goku. Mm. Um, his 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 never given up attitude, which is like a somewhat of a recycled trope in um, anime main characters nowadays where it's just like, I'll never give up. I'll always fight right. for justice and blah, 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 blah. Like right. Goku just embodies that. He'll, he'll get beat up and through the adversity, mm. he just gets stronger. And as, as childish and comedic as that sound, you can understand where life can always beat you up. And if you don't rise to the occasion, you become a victim to circumstances. You know what I mean? So un- understanding that where it's just like, listen, you can always rise up. You can always fight. You can always continue. Made me realize that like, some of these cartoon messages or themes or morals they explore, you can you can really take something tangible from them and apply them to your life. So that made me gravitate towards like the anime even more because they deal with more adult themes than the conventional Saturday morning morning cartoons. Right, but that's life, though. I mean, if, if people don't realize, people who are successful failed a whole bunch of times before they they made it to that point. So. To your point, Goku has to keep failing mm-hmm. in order to recognize his inner strength, right? Because he doesn't know what he's what his limits are. Yeah. Right? Without failure, you don't know what your limits are. So um, that's that's another critical one. So I think that's important. Describe for me your, your transition from high school to post-secondary at Seneca. That's where you went, right? Yeah. And that's where we met. <laughs> you know the story's gonna come out. <laughs> no, no, you no. Know the I, need, come I, out. Need, I need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that story I know is going to come. I'm going to let the people know. <laughs> <laughs> what was your transition like going from high school now where you said you weren't, you know, the studious, uh, the, you know, the student that was focused and whatnot. So were you nervous about that transition? I was, I was very nervous because at that point in time, last year in high school, I was known as one of the best artists mm. in West Humber. Like, when it comes to drawing, Ray is that guy. Right. You know what I mean? I, I saw what other people did. I'm like, if you could do that, I can do that. And that has always been 
my outlook on certain things. And if you can do it and I can do it, then I can probably do it better than you. Right. So I excelled at that. Um, going into to high school, I was a I was a fish in a pond now graduating to the ocean. Right. And while I was the biggest or one of the biggest fish fish in a pond, I was I was a a, a prawn right. in the ocean, swimming amongst whales. I got exposed to a level of talent I never knew existed. We never had access to the internet then. Right. Where it's just like you can see everybody's artwork from a distance, you know. I mean, I was not up close and personal. It was like an existential crisis where I'm just like, I thought I was going to come to college and dominate, but you know, there's some people younger than me that was just like, right. they're just mean with it. So I had to again adjust quickly. Where I was just like, I had to humble myself and realize like you're not the best. You still have so much farther to go. Right. Level up ASAP. And I picked my lane and I stuck with it. And that was like, listen, all these guys are teaching classical animation like Disney and all these cartoon stuff. I'm going to focus on anime. And one of my greatest moments of pride was when I think it was like in probably second term first year mm-hmm. or early first term second year, they had kids coming over to the program to be like, let's see what these guys are up to. Yeah. And these guys would bring them to show my, my work to be like, yo, we all do this Disney stuff, but this guy, he animates like anime, bro. Yeah. And he does some crazy sick stuff. And it was, it was, it was a nice moment. Granted, there were better animators than me, but to know that like when he came to us animated cool anime stuff, like, right. yo, Ray's kind of nice with it still. Look at what he just did. That's not what we learned in class, but that's what this man's doing. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, what, I, I, had, I had to humble myself. What do you, what do you remember? Um, about those years that, that stuck out to you? Ooh, well, I have one, uh, I have one traumatic, <laughs> very traumatic. This guy's laughing, bro. I said traumatic. I didn't say funny. <laughs> yeah, you're so dramatic. <laughs> no, but okay. So watch this. So I'm going to tell you why it was so traumatic. So no, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, man, this, I'm going to tell, okay, I'm going to tell you, here we go. I had great friends there, great relationships, lots of fun. And we had fun. Like, okay, so Adam Earl, mm-hmm. I remember I know you remember Adam. Yep. Yeah, fun guy. And like all Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny guy. <laughs> I think it was me and Adam. I did I mean, we, we we would we would live at school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in the hallway, we had like these crazy Olympic games where one end of the hallway, somebody would spin us around. Other end, somebody else would spin up next guy around. I would spin, spin around for like 20, 30 seconds. And then they would let us go and we would just have to run full speed. (laughs) 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 And we were never running in a straight line. And like people were just lined up against the the hallway. And you know, the hallway wasn't, wasn't white. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It was kind of narrow. So we're running and bumping into glass, bumping into people, all trying to come take down the next guy at the next end. And it was just a hoot. So we, we, used to, we used to do these crazy little stupid games just to take a break from the, the, the pressure of the workload. It was yeah. just like, yo, we're putting in like 80 hours of yeah. work yeah. a week, easy. But back to the traumatic, dramatic experience. <laughs> I never really had a stable home. And I never really had a sense of belonging to a physical place where it's just like, this is my home. This is my childhood home. This is where I grew up. This is where I had my first bike, my first accident. You know what I mean? Yada, yada, yada. Right. So I never had a place to put my stuff. So every single piece of art I have ever done 
was a combination of this binder and a couple of sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. And I had this blue binder that had all my artwork from high school in it and everything I was currently working on and all my, like my, my, my animation and stuff like that. They were, they are all, all kept in a box. Now, you know, I didn't graduate from Seneca. I was in my second semester of my third year and I could not afford tuition. So I had to drop out. The level of embarrassment and shame I felt was so stinging. And I was drowning in that sorrow. I could not face going into the building to clear out my desk from school. And as such, all my animation, all my artwork from previous years before college and into college, all my work was in a box. I'm telling you, Derek, this is like 10 years of my, my artistic journey. Wow. And I could not have the courage to go into that building and see my peers to know that, yo, I dropped out. You guys are going to graduate this year. I didn't have the courage to go and pick up my stuff. So till this day, somebody has a whole bunch of Goku drawings wow. and a whole bunch of my anime stuff. A whole, like, this is, this is the DNA of, this is my portfolio, but this is, this, this is everything I've ever done. Just, it's just gone. Wow. The amount of hours of dedication, just gone. So when I say traumatic, it is dramatic. Damn. Yes. But yeah, man, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't face the building. I couldn't face the building. And it was, it was rough. What people don't even realize is that. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it, was, it tore me up because I'm just like, yo, these kids have computers, bro. I don't have a computer. I cannot afford a computer to do work from home. Right. I have to come to school. And I was working, not a full-time job, but I had to work to pay my rent. My rent was like $300 because I was, I, was, I was doing a, a rent, rent in a room. Right. My rent was like $300. I would get paid like $120 a week. So I had like almost, let's say five bills. It was like 100 to sometimes 120 a week. Wow. And I was living off that a month. So, you know, I worked at a, a, a Jamaican restaurant. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. just like, at least I didn't have to worry about food. And I made sure people around me were good with food. But it's just like, it was so tight. I think my rent was 3.30, sorry, 3.30. And I wasn't making money. So it, it was it's like, how do I pay for, how do I pay for tuition? Wow. Making, like say, four fifty five hundred a month. My rent is 3.30. I have like a bill 50 to my name for the whole month. How am I paying tuition? How am I paying for books? How am I paying for supplies? How am I paying for a bus here? I, I, I honestly, I didn't know that's how severe it was. Yeah, it was, it was that bad. So it's like, it's like, it, it, it was just like, it was a ticking time bomb. So when it came time, like, yo, bro, you, you need, you need to pay tuition now. And I can, it was, it was just such a, it was, it was devastating to me, man. That is because that was my dream to be the best animator in the world, move to Japan and show this guy, show these guys what a black guy can do. Right, 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 right. Wow. But yeah. That's that's yeah. that's tough. I didn't realize that's how severe the situation got. I knew you were having a difficult time, but I didn't realize how severe it was. Um what would you say some of the life lessons that you take away from that experience? Is is definitely don't let don't let the fear of something like that cripple you because what I lost could never be replaced. Right. And that, that was because of, of fear. 
So I'm not, I, I don't do that anymore. Um, if there's something I want, I'll, I'll go after it. If there's something I, 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 I really, really, really want, nice. where it's just like, I, I have to bet on myself more. And that, that's, that's how I move now. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, no matter if I'm scared, if it has to get done, it has to get done, get it done. So at, at Seneca, can you share two of your memorable moments? <laughs> okay, so, so this is, so audience, this is a story I'm talking about. So you know this guy, this Derek guy, right? You know this Derek guy. He's a nice guy. He's an intelligent young young man. He's a smart guy. This Derek guy, he's a crook. All right? Let me tell you how this Derek guy is a crook. Allegedly. Allegedly crook. Not no, not no, no, no jail, jail crook stuff, but he's a crook. So this is how he got me. So this is one of those memorable stories. So I don't know who this guy is, but he's a black guy at the school. So I'm like, you know what? I'm a bunch of this guy. I mean, I don't know anybody here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fishing. I'm from the pond to the ocean. So let me make some friends. This is Big Brother, season one, first five minutes. So the first assignment the teacher gave us was like, you know what? I want you guys to draw a picture of yourself and put it on your desk cubicle area so we know who you are. And then I have an understanding of where you guys are artistically. So you know what this crook does? <laughs> let me tell you what this crook does. Pay attention, audience. So we get the vibe in. And this Derek Procasanti, um <laughs> was like, I don't know how it came up, but he was like, you know what? We can't draw, bro. To me. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm nice. And I was like, you can't even draw me, bro. Get out of here. You're bold. <laughs> Not verbatim, but that, that's, how, that, 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 that's the gist of it. So he was egging me on. Just attacking my ego. <laughs> you hear those harsh words, attacking my ego. <laughs> so the inner dropist in me is like, yo, bro, I'm here to sh- I think I'm here to show people that I'm nice. Eh? So if you're coming for me, I'm gonna come for you and I'm gonna get my paper out, get my pencil ready. I'm gonna sketch the crap out of this guy. And I'm drawing this guy like, yo, it's looking like him. Yeah, yeah, I think I got his nose. I think I got the crook nose. I got the crook forehead. I got <laughs> And this, is the, this, this is the soliloquy that, that, that I'm going on in my head, right? This is my monologue. So I'm just drawing and I'm like, boom, here it is. The crook looks at me. I was like, yo, you're nice still. Thank you. Thank you for what? My assignment is done still. <laughs> you see, that, that is the crook choke right there. The crook laugh choke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, crook. This is the Derek I know, guys. Yo. This is the Derek I know. <laughs> he finessed me, bro. Stop this. <laughs> this guy, this guy, put a junk, pull a jungle flex on me, like he finessed me. <laughs> Yo, I'm dying uh, right feel, now. I'm dying feel, right now. I feel lighter knowing that it's out there now. It's out Holy. in the ether. <laughs> You couldn't wait to tell that story, eh? Oh, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. But it, it's, it's funny because, like, the way we move, and I may, I may jump ahead a bit, but the way, we, the way we move at work, people will be like, yo, you guys met at work. You guys click. You guys are, are good, good friends. But I'm like, yo, you guys don't know. Me and Derek kind of go way back yeah. <laughs> before at work, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's, 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 I, I, really, I really like our relationship. We, we have stories for days, man. Yeah, that was... That was a great moment. 
<laughs> for you. That was a great moment. <laughs> you, you learned something, though. You learned something. See? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. He, he was eager. Here's the thing. He was eager. And I knew he was eager. I spotted it. I smelt it. <laughs> I smelt it. Right? So I was like, this is perfect. Let me just do this one right now. Oh, my gosh. This guy. And that was it, man. It was an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> the crook has no regrets. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's the lesson there. So <clears throat> now I want you guys oh, to take gosh. that lesson and apply it in business. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to do the work. You can get somebody else to do the work. Facts. You don't have to be the smartest in the room. You can hire them. <laughs> that's it. Hire them. That's it. Yeah. You know. That's um, so true. No, but that's yeah. That that was a great moment, though. I think, I think <clears throat> it was interesting because I remember one thing that annoyed me about you was the fact that you were banging on on the tables and making beats. Mm, I'm like, this guy's just making noise. <laughs> and he's just always mumbling to himself. And I'm just like, yo, bro, I'm trying to work right now. <laughs> you know, so that was like, okay. When he didn't do those things, I'm like, okay, I love this guy. Like the way he moves. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets into his, his I'm young and I'm, I'm going to uh, do, you know, so that was just like, I'm like, bro, I'm paying for this thing, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I can't afford to waste time. And you're, you're making Ooh. noise. And so... It was it was an interesting uh, relationship, but I think we just clicked, and there was nothing any one of us can do about changing that. Like you couldn't alter that. Mm-hmm. It was almost like it was just destined to be. Yeah, man. Um, I always say I think it's important to recognize that sometimes in life, you know, it forces you to kind of pivot and restart, um, and it's a humbling experience as well, right? And it's a, it can be a great great educator, and I say that because. I'm curious, like, what did you learn about yourself, you know, during during that time where you felt like I couldn't come back to the building to grab my stuff? And um, how did that experience and all the other experiences, the people that you met in Seneca, all the, um, you know, relationships that you built and the experiences that you you went through, how did that shape you to become the person that you are today? One thing I realized, and this helped comfort me after the class, my class graduated, when I was still in contact with them, I realized that in the real world, it's a, it's a tough, tough field or industry to get in. Yeah. The fact that a lot of these guys weren't getting jobs and the jobs they were getting weren't secure. It was a whole bunch of contract job, contract work. These guys work for three months, no job. Get a job for eight months, five months, sometimes it's out of province. It was just like there was no sense of stability. I realized that, hold on a second. This is not what I want for my life. So while it was sad, I couldn't graduate and pursue a job in the field. I was just like, even if I got that, I wouldn't want to be pursuing a job with no stability. The big, the big stinger was the fact that I left uh, school and got a job at a, a call center shortly after leaving the restaurant. And I was making more money at a call center than some of these guys that graduated. Right. And then it, it really put me onto the world where it, it started to... Um, latest seeds or groundwork for my my outlook on passion and career and money where on the, I begin to understand that money buys time because we trade our time to generate money right getting that income so if I can get enough money I can get more time and the more time I have for myself I can use that time to pursue my my passion unhindered yeah 
So I started to look at it where it's just like, you know what? At the end of the day, you're still going to need to put food on the table, no matter how passionate you are. You could be in your field making no money, not being able to provide for yourself, much less provide and sustain a family, which is something I wanted. So I, I had I had to come to terms with the reality where it's just like, yo, you may not be in your field, it's your passion, but you need to get money right now. You have to survive. Right. But you get enough money, you can trade that money for time, have more time for yourself to then pursue your passions where you're just like, you're not limited. And, and re- in conversations we, we, we've had recently, I told you that, you know, I'm going to get back into art. I'm in a position right now where so many equipment that I would envy some of my fellow classmates for having like a laptop or a computer, I can go readily buy that for myself right mm-hmm. now. All the equipment that the school provided, I can now buy it for myself right now. And through just a personal hobby and a passion of mine, I can just do all those projects we did in school or find that stuff on YouTube and just do that stuff on my, at my leisure. Right. And I can still have my family. I can still provide for them. Things can be stable and I can still be uh, happy and balanced at home knowing that I can provide for my family and, and, and take care of my, my passions and desires. So that really informed my outlook on life when it comes to like, you know what, it sucks that you're not in the field, you're not doing your passion, but at the end of the day, these guys, it's, 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 it's not all sunshine and rainbows being an animator. It's funny. I, I knew that early. Mm. early like I knew I didn't want to go into it as a profession mm-hmm. and because I was aware that it was contract based mm. I literally went to Seneca because it was something that I wanted to do and I didn't want my mom to say oh you know you should have done this and blah blah and it was more about me just mm-hmm. you know following my passion and so that's that's important I, like I remember year two second semester a lot of the guys were asking, like, why are you doing this if you're not trying to get into the industry? Because they were starting to look and uh, what, what studios were available and what they needed to do to get their, you know, um, uh, demo reel, you know, to a certain standard and whatnot. And I'm just like, no, nah, I'm just trying to learn this thing as much as I possibly can. They're like, but what's the point? And they didn't, they couldn't understand. And when I would tell them, I'm not doing this to get into the industry. Right. And I would tell them constantly, it's a contract industry. I do want a family and I cannot survive on that. Facts. You know, so I knew that early. And so most people didn't understand it, but I also had a vision of I'm going to teach this thing after I leave. And that's what I did. Uh, right. So teaching it to other kids allowed me to get money because I was funded. Look at that. You know, so I created my own school, so to speak. Beautiful. So I can teach what I love doing. And that was my industry. Beautiful. You know, so it was, it, that's the foresight that I had where a lot of people were just getting ready to go and apply to work somewhere else away from family and friends and try to still start their own family. Like it just didn't make sense to me, but it's interesting that you, the, you realize that afterwards. Go ahead. But Loki, that's, that's very admirable. I never, I never, I never knew that you had that foresight back then to be like, I'm, I'm perfectly fine not pursuing this as a career like everybody yeah. else. I'm doing my own thing. And I think, I think that's one of the tenets of our relationship where it's just like, yo, we can admire certain things in each other. And they're, they're quite similar traits where it's just like, you're your own individual. You're not a, you're not a follower. You're a leader. Yeah. You know what I mean, in some aspects, you're a trailblazer. It's just like, yo, you, you <laughs> legit, like you're one of my biggest role models. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, that's, I never knew yeah. that. That's dope. Now let's talk music. 
right? Um, cool, no, how no. did you find yourself in music? So let's go back to that story now. Same thing with that O'Brien and that Nicole girl drawing peas and corn. Yeah. So it's like in high school, like I'm here, you know, I got into rap late. So I missed the Tupac and Biggie and Big L both. And right. that's just like, what? How could you? Yeah. And you're a rapper. Mm-hmm. So I relied on like say, you and your brother Joe um, to fill me in on like hip hop's history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when I connected with you guys, you guys put me on a lot. Um, so in high school, Dipset was popping back then, right? right. Um, so I missed, I missed the early, mid, late 90s wave. So I got into hip hop, but I was still in my DJ reggae mode. Uh, in the late 90s mm. but I crossed over in a new millennium um, listening to, to rap taking it in and I was saying, I would just hear my friends geek out over these guys rapping and I'm looking at them like but you you're not saying anything dope like I can do this stuff like what, why are you guys freaking geeking over these guys like that yeah. like these guys nice. this guy's whack <laughs> the, the hate comes again. The hate comes again. <laughs> the drive. So, lo and behold, I was like, all right, you know what? I got to show these guys something. And I was like, yo, I can rap. And it didn't just come like that. You know what I mean? I, I worked at it. I, I studied and, and realized certain things that were present in rap that people would be like, yo, that's elevated rap or that's dope rap or that's sick rap. And I'd be like, okay, what did they do? Can I do it? Yes. Can I do it better? Maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as a Toronto rapper back then, I never, I never aspired to be a dope Toronto MC. Right. I aspired to be like a dope world planet Earth hip hop MC. So mm. my goal and bar was always the top dogs in the industry. And a lot of them came from the States back then. So it's like, if I'm going to jump on a Jay-Z beat. I need to be just as good, if not better than Jay-Z. And that mm. was the, the measure I had for myself. Like, there was a Toronto sound before quote unquote Drake came out. Right. Um, where it was just like, it was like basement sound and rap. Like these guys had studios in their basements and that's the quality that was coming out. And I never sounded like that, regardless of the quality of the equipment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I never sounded out like that, that cringy, can't even flow on the beat type of right. stuff. Like, right. nah, get out of here. So that's why I got into rap, man, just to show my friends that the guys you guys are idolizing it's like they're not they're not that dope and if you guys don't think i'm a dope mc or a dope rapper what happens when i can flow and rap just as good as those guys right it's gonna shatter your 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 your, your walls your dreams and hopes <laughs> of like yo this guy's really nice but ray's just as nice as him right oh man i guess ray's just as nice or he's not as nice so yeah that's all i got in the rap man so and i fell in love with it how did you i guess i'm trying to figure out had you recorded anything prior to us connecting? Um, I'm going to go with no. Because, yeah, no. Because I got connected to the studio that I go to uh, when I was working at Gemma. So for those who know, Gemma was a call center. That's a call center I worked at. been there for 10 years. But that's where I met Nay and, and Sam. Right. And that was, that was after. Uh, secondary so no wow if i recorded anything it would have been on 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 like my phone like a voice recorder or something like that like truth be told like listen here kids okay i'm talking to the audience now listen here kids with your (laughs) access to youtube and just abundance of music and streaming and all that stuff bro you see back in our day we had like a voice recorder let me tell you what i did for access to music and instrumentals we know about Kazaa. We know about Limelight right. or LimeWire. <laughs> we know about those those torrent files. 
just getting the STDs on our on our on our on our computers. We know about that. I would record beats, me beatboxing, sorry, on my phone. And then I would play that. Like I remember when In the Club came out, I'd be like, and I would play that on repeat. And then I would play that over now, and then I'll be rapping over it and whatnot. You know what I mean? And that's that's what we had to do before internet. Right. All right, back to the back to the host. Yeah, so I fell in love with rap. <laughs> so so as you're talking about the internet, I had a funny situation this week with Grayson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so she she asked me to search for something on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And something was going on where it wasn't loading. Like YouTube was just acting up. So and she's like, why is it taking so long? I said, so long. <laughs> <laughs> so mind you, I lost myself. Eh? I looked at her. I said, oh, what? I said to her, remember, she's six. I said to her, what do you know about dial up? <laughs> She's like, yeah, she's it. like, what's dial up? I said, dial up, dial up sounds like this. You should have seen her face. It was priceless. Priceless. Oh my gosh. I, you, you think you're being funny, but dial up right. sound like Yo, that. I told her, I said, dial up is when you start to place a video or a song. Mm. And you walk away for a day, and you come back, <laughs> and, and you got the done. first verse. <laughs> and, and what's crazy is that we accepted that, like, yo, right? it's dope, right? It's cool. I'm yo. good because I'm I'm getting what I want. Right, I'm connected, you know. Connected. <laughs> but, but now, oh lord, oh. <laughs> it was it was a great moment, man. It, I had to age myself for her right then and there. Yeah, like, you, what I'm, you know about dial up? Like, you need some patience, kid. Like, <laughs> we're the last of a dying breed, bro. Like, right? I'm telling you. That's crazy. Wow. Oh, man. Now, I have to admit, the one thing I do envy about, you know, guys like you is your memory. This guy. Like, your knack to be able to just memorize, like, the things that you write. Mm. Like, okay, is it half a gift and half just you know, the muscle practicing or what is it? Because I, I can't understand it. So I have selective memory where I, I there's certain things I do not remember. And it could be certain key things in, in life. And my wife will be like, you remember when this happened? You remember my birthday? You remember on this anniversary? And I have a blank face. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's, it's I don't know that that's just how I am. But for me to remember like some of my, my old raps that are written on on paper that have long gone. It's, it's, it's the process of memorizing it initially yeah. and go through this thing where I memorize, 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 and I stop and I try to forget it. Mm. And in the process of forgetting it and trying to remember it again, yeah. I ensure to do it without the assistance of what I, I wrote down. Right. And once I can remember it in its entirety, then once I forgot it, once I can remember it again, then it's it's locked in. Oh, I see. And and sometimes it's it's almost like there, there's a there's a feeling or vibe that's attached to certain things or I write or certain things I create, and it paints a scene in my head, and it's just like it's 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 weird. Um, but if I can remember the feel or the scene or the vibe that what I wrote down evokes. It helps me remember it 
even more. Right. Because I, I try to tap into it's, it's it's like the emotion is part of of the ink that I write with mm. when I'm creating pieces. So once I can remember the emotion, it helps remember the words that was written in ink and that helps. So it it it's 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 a little bit of both for just like I don't know if it's a it's a talent or whatnot, but I know it, it takes practice on my part where it's like to the point of where when I'm writing I don't it's all in my head when I write now. And that's a scarier thing because if I forget what I was writing in my head, I don't have anything to go to. Right. So it's it's literally the vibe and the feeling of what I was trying to evoke that I have to latch on to to be like, hopefully the words can spring back, back out of because of the vibe I'm I'm trying to feel for again. Yeah, man. Got it. What do you what do you get from um music, you know, sure. when, when you get the opportunity to create or write? Like what is that what does that give you? It's is is godlike in a sense that with animation, what I what, what was very profound to me was that these characters that you're creating at a 32 or 30 frames per second, you control their existence on every single sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. I found that to be very profound. And it's a, it's a similar thing with rap, where it's just like you can have certain concepts in your head and to be able to bring them on a piece of paper and bring them to life, but do so in a manner that is engaging, creative, yeah. Um, dope, sick. Oh, it's 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 just a beautiful thing. It's like it's like you're witnessing the birth of something. You know what I mean? And it's yours. It's your creation. And then to see the impact that creation can have on another person, it's 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 a beautiful thing, man. So um, I really, really, really love rap. It's a great medium to um, instill messages, uh, instill change. Like you can do so much with music. Um, and yeah, when wielded properly, like, oh, it can move you, man. It can move you. And it, it ties back to what we're talking about, um, art and passion, where it's just like art can transcend certain, like, say, racial barriers, where it's just like a white rapper or a black rapper or whatever rapper performing their music can just move you to, like, make a change in your life because of the messages that they're conveying, you know what I mean? So I, I, I love music for that, man. So now I want to talk about your previous project. For those of you who don't know, Ray's uh, MC name is Concept Books. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, man. So your previous project, Deadly Dosage, tell me how that came about and what does it mean to you having that project out there in the world? Uh, when I connected with Sam, Shy, and Nay, um, I felt it was my obligation to create a project. And uh, obviously, we all wanted a project. Ray seems like he can rap well. So, you know, let's let's get something together. So they had the resources and whatnot. So I was just like, I love rap. And the direction they were going to take me in was some was somewhere I never could have done on my own. And I was stepping into the, the limelight of being able to be like, maybe I could actually become a rapper in Toronto and become successful. Because the support I was getting from them was, was crazy. Like industry level type of support in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So, um... I mean, I wanted to do that because it was just par for the course. You have your music team, you want to rap, everybody's behind you, you come up with a project, promote it, and see where it goes kind of thing. Um, but it was, it was, it was like uh, a stamp of approval in my eyes to know that this passion of mine, I was able to take it serious enough where I had a project out. Mm-hmm. There was a press run. I got singles released. We had a single release party. You know, it got featured on a couple of mixtapes mm. around the world kind of thing. So it was 
it was it was a big huge moment for me and uh one thing i liked was that um you know it was it was it's like a medley or an eclectic mix of all the different i guess styles yeah. of rap and it was a different concepts different flows different vibes and I was, I was just me. I wasn't trying to conform to like whatever the sound of the time was. There's still songs in there. The mixtape came out in 2012. It's almost 10 years. And there's still songs in there that I bumped to myself right now. And I'm like, yo, this is really, really good. Yeah. Like, even though it's 10 years old, in my opinion, it doesn't sound dated. And people who I come across in life now, when I tell them I'm a rapper, I play them stuff 10 years ago and it's where I was in a studio like six months ago. Right. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was really, really dope for me to know I can have that. Like I definitely want to revisit it and probably like, um, let's say do a re-recording or a remastering of some of those songs and releasing it again mm-hmm. as an EP. And, uh, because truth be told, as much as I had the resources, it wasn't, it was unlimited. So, a lot of that, let's say, quote unquote, just being nitpicky. Some of the mixing wasn't wasn't done a hundred percent. Right. And I mean, things were like, uh, let's say, rushed mm-hmm. uh, to be placed out there, and still good quality. But in, in looking back at it now, if I had the time, then I could perfect it, perfect it more. Yeah. So, um, with all its flaws, it's still something that's dear to me because I had an intro on a mixtape that was. It's like epic. And yeah, it's, it's one of a kind. So that buddy, one. I'm gonna talk to the audience right now. My <laughs> favorite cartoon show is Reboot, and there's a character character in there called, well, Megabyte would call him Hey Doctor, and um, <laughs> he would be like had this German accent, and he was an evil scientist doctor kind of thing. So I pretended to be an evil scientist doctor in the intro of my mixtape, talking about the state of rap and music and how I've dissected it and realized that it's filled with all this filth and crap. And this guy named Concept Books is the guy that is heralding this new wave of music that has a level of consciousness and creativity and concepts to it that you guys need to be plugged in. But you guys are too caught up with the stupid chorus. Oh, and stop it. Madness. Bro, <laughs> I'm trying to show you. like, and it, it, it was done over um, the Sweeney Todd soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, this 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 monologue is done over epic soundtrack music, and yeah. it, it just hits different. It sounds like a score from a movie. And even my sound engineer Cortez was like, "Yo, bro, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm mixing a movie right here. This is epic." Yeah. yeah. So it was a, it was a different one. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that project. Man, one of my favorite tracks that you and I were able to collaborate on Ooh. was the uh, <laughs> come on, come on. The, one, the one Mike remix. That that oh, one. Man. Talk to me about that one. Um, what what do you remember about that process? You see, it's 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 what's dope is when you when you can you're you're in the presence of somebody in their craft that excels at their craft. And you revere, respect, and admire. And you can geek over them doing their thing. And they can do the same for you. It's a beautiful space to be in. So doing that project, you know, just to hear. Like, I always thought, like, poetry and rap, they're so similar to, to each other. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, they're just synonymous with each other. Like, because dub poetry yeah. is like rap, acapella. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I always thought it was a dope mix. And that... That track proved that, yo, you could have rap 
and poetry under the same house together. And it was just, it, it, it's dope. Like, it's just, it's, it's just like going back to that story when I say that I can play music from 10 years ago, people hear now, yeah. and it still hits them. Because I describe some of my music as timeless. And that piece is a timeless piece to me where it's like, it doesn't matter how, how many years or decades into the future, yo, it's still going to hit because what we're talking about, the content in which, and it tripped me out because when you, you sent that to me recently, like uh, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And when I listened to it again, I was just like, yo, the stuff we were talking about, it's so relevant yep. today. Yep. And we were talking about this stuff 11 a years decade ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the foresight we had to be like, we're not, we're not going to conform to the, the norms of what the popular, uh, the popular Toronto sound is or songs or rap or style is. We're going to do our own thing. I'm just like, yo, the, the fact that it, it resonates so profoundly now, it's, it's something that, that I'm very, very proud of. Yeah. Very proud of. So I, I enjoyed the crap out of that one, man. Yeah. That was, that was, I, I enjoyed that one too. I enjoyed that. So for, for, yeah, just let them know. It's the one mic. Remix by Nas. Yeah. Search concept books, books. and brushstrokes. And brushstrokes is BS. <laughs> um, so. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's BS all day. <laughs> all day, every day. Beautiful BS. <laughs> yeah, man. That's. Oh gosh. I think I think I think we have an opportunity to create um, more more of those kind of uh, opportunities and experiences for people. I think. I'm going to plant that seed. We're going to work on something. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, they'll mm-hmm. get to so, hear it sooner than later. So audience, talk to you guys right now. If you guys would uh, like to just do some comments there, to, we can have a poll to be like, you know, what type of song should uh, concept books and uh, brush yes. Books, uh, yes. work on? By all means, man, let, let it be known because we're going to go back in the studio and we're going to, we're going to come up with some, hopefully, timeless stuff again. Yeah, no, no, for, for sure it'll be it'll be timeless. Um yeah. <laughs> I think I think um that's a great great idea. I think people should definitely first go and check out the uh one mic remix. Just search concept books proper spelling. Um Right, right. So proper spelling, <laughs> just type in concept books, um, you know, one mic remix on YouTube and you'll find it. Uh, you'll find his shoe and the mic drop right there. Mm-hmm. And that's the image that you'll see. And listen to that. And, you know, then let us know. We'll, we'll put a poll, poll up on IG and, and things like that and see what kind of things that you guys would like for us to, you know, um, talk about in some of these tracks that we want to work on. But, um, yeah, oh. that, that was a classic. That was a classic. Now, I'm going to shift gears a bit. Why do you think we get along so well? Um. We, we, we moved to the beat of our own drum. Mm. I, I, we're, we're both leaders. You are a big, big inspiration and role model for me, especially somebody who doesn't have a father figure like that, especially somebody who didn't have, um, let's say, siblings growing up like that, because I was the elder one, but I got separated from my, my sister three days before I, her first birthday. Mm. You know, my next sister, the family was kind of... Um, torn torn up you know like I, I i got kicked out at 17 mm. you know what i mean because of my dad's feelings to provide for the family my stepmom couldn't deal with three kids my dad had to take care of one and so i just i just had to go um 
so you you were like that big brother to me. So to see how you move in real life is how I would be planning to move in my head. But to see somebody making those moves in real life, I was like, yo, this is dope. You know, I really, really respect that. You know what I mean? Like you're the first young black man I know, I know or knew that got married. Wow. And like to this day, like legit, how many of our contemporaries got married, bro? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's... People, people breathe. Yeah. People have pitney. How yeah. many are walked into that institution of marriage? Yeah. So it's just like, a lot of those things that admire, admire in me, I would see them in you amplified. So it's just like, you just, you just gravitate towards things of lightness. You know what I mean? Yeah. They say opposites attract, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm trying to attract more of the goodness. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, so, right. So I'm trying to surround myself with that. So it, it it it's just easy. We 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 had a we had a connection with art. We have a connection with music. Yeah. We have you know certain certain fundamental values that are important to us. That you know, if we have the twin in moments, like both yeah. our daughters have Elise. In yeah. their names, yeah. and this is not not planned. Right. <laughs> I have a daughter. This guy have a daughter. This guy have a son. I have a son. And I mean, what Wagwan? Right, yeah. right, <laughs> right. Nah, so we constantly have some turning moments. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. For me, it, it's just the consistency in in your choices and your direction and your your vision, um, and you're constantly working at something. Mm. And I think that's I'm attracted to that because I'm I'm the same way, and I don't think I've met too many people. I have a, a very very limited circle of people that I consider like sisters or brothers, mm-hmm. and so you're obviously one of those that's literally up there, like not even top five. I'm talking like top two, one, <laughs> right? Wow. wow, you know. So, and the reason for that is just because I know I know um, your heart's intention. Mm. And I've known that from day one because you wear it on your sleeve. And that allowed me to say, okay, you know what? This is somebody I can trust. And that's not something that I do easily. And so the minute I felt, okay, that's my trust is yours. Then that was it for me. You know, so it's, 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 it's scary because you're told not to trust people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the world shows you not to trust people. Mm -hmm. Right. But then. Here we are, how many years later that we're still connected as if, you know, it was from day one. And that's why it's mm-hmm. important. Like, it's it's really a special relationship and one that I definitely um, hold there. And I, it's funny, I had a thought earlier today and I said, who would I leave my kids in care of? That's crazy, bro. Right? And you're always on that list. Like, you're always the first person, actually. Wow. And... I have to kind of be a little bit unselfish and say, well, I can't burden him with my kids. Should I leave them with somebody? Because I know you have three of your own that you have to take care of, right? So that's the only thing that kind of makes me like, okay, let me give Ray some space. But that's the level of, you know, love and respect that I have for you just for being who you are. So I just think you you needed to know that. Yeah, you, you, you ain't gonna get me emotional on your podcast. Get, get out of here, bro. You guys should have made me cry, audience. Audience, you guys should have made me cry. Not gonna happen. Not, not today. It's a Friday. Get out of here. Five <laughs> I
I really appreciate those those comments, man. That means a lot to me. Nah, it's it's truth, you know. Um, five years from now, what do you what do you see yourself doing differently? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you exactly what we're doing differently. <laughs> so this is what it is. So the Canadian dream, one of the Canadian dreams, is to own a home. The typical means of doing that is getting your down payment and going to a bank and getting a mortgage. In five years, my house is going to be paid off without getting a mortgage from the bank because I'll be acquiring or investing in different vehicles that's going to allow me to have the capital to buy my house out outright. Mm-hmm. So I will not become a slave to the banks or the financial system where it's just like, you know what? You're going to be locked in this mortgage for 25 to 30 years, and that's when you're going to be off the hook. No. So that's one of the things I'm definitely going to be doing differently. And with that being a a milestone reach or a first step, there's going to be a real estate company who's already been made where it's just going to be like, there's going to be a series of different companies or corporations that we own, you and I jointly. I'm trying to, in five years, the conversations we're going to be having is how are we going to, um, what's the logistics involved in starting our own community? Yeah for people to actually live like a whole, our own subdivision. Like I see Asante um, estates. I see Sterling Oaks yeah. uh, residences. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a community that we, we, we help fund and build with par- key partnerships we establish. And we're just trying to help our people from our community get out of a certain situation into a better one. And I, I five years ago, those are the conversations we're going to be having. How can we give back and help? other people in our community that we love, care for, cherish. I think what's what's beautiful about that right there is people listening don't really know what's happening already. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bro, it's not some pinky in the brain thing. Like, right? How are we going to take over the world? <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They don't oh, know, man. man. They don't know. Like, like in, in my head, um, I think I think in 2018 it was, and we're going to get to this, but in 2018 I was like, you know what? You're going to champion this section or segment of the industry, and I'm going to champion this section or segment of the industry, and then we're going to come together when each reach a level of maturity yeah. in their desired sections, and then we're going to merge and just just make it happen. And um, yeah, man, so far so good, so far so good, buddy. That's it. So. So I'm at the point in the show where <clears throat> it's thinking out loud. That's the segment. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy. <laughs> I got a random question to ask, and I want to get okay. your opinion on it right off the jump without overthinking oh it. Okay. You ready? Sure. Would you rather, this one's not so bad, but would you rather travel the world for six months with all expenses paid or have 50K to do with as you please? I'll travel the world, all expenses paid. Why? I think exposing yourself to a different environment can really rewire and change your perception. And coming out of that differently can have a a serious impact on the decisions you make moving forward. Um, When I was a young man, when I was a young man, when I was 10, I went to Germany, Switzerland, France, and I was in Italy for four hours. Um, long story short, friends of my father, my father worked in a, a, a resort. He became very good friends with this couple that were visiting Jamaica every year, so much so that they brought him to Germany 
um, on a trip, he became fluent in Germany on multiple or subsequent trips to Germany on, on, on their dime on behalf of them, that when he had a son, they were so enamored by me, they, they decided to bring me to Germany. So growing up in a third world country in a, a level of poverty, being in Switzerland and France and these places, it really helped me understood the vastness of the world and the differences in people. And it made me appreciate certain things and allowed me to strive for a better life or better things. So I would travel the world, all expenses paid to different people I could meet. I could, I could, I could fully understand more the impact certain decisions I have or certain things I can do can have on other people and make their lives better. Tony Robbins said it best for like the last two things a human being is supposed to do is to, is to um, grow. And after they grow, it's supposed to give back. So if I could give back to people and, and, and see like, you know, you, you hear like the, the, the cost of the cost, the power for a Canadian dollar in Canada is a dollar, but the cost of it in like another country, it could be substantial where that dollar is can feed the whole family. Like right. imagine just taking a loony instead of buying uh, a Timbit with, with $3 giving mm-hmm. it the money to go feed a family for a day. Like instead of having 10 local uh, donut, donut seed circle, right. Right. You, you can, you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, that's that crazy. So to be able to see that impact that can have on people and, and learn from other people around the world, that is, that is more valuable than $50,000 in a bank account without overthinking it. Funny. I, I thought about that too. I thought about exactly what you were saying. And I said, Hmm, knowing what I know now, I'm going to take the 50 K. Why? Cause I can still travel. This guy. <laughs> I'll take some of that make it work and then travel and so so that's what I was looking at <laughs> but I'm just like if, 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 if the all expenses paid that means that the, the, there's no limit for that you have access to all True. over the world True. whereas the 50k is just like if I want to go to a certain place like Bora Bora that's like five racks a night you know what I mean how long can I can, can I stay there the money True. then becomes a limiting factor because there's a limit, there's a number limit cap on it. So that's why my head because yeah. when it comes to flipping money, we we, we know what we yeah. can do with money. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. But when you, when, you, when you tell a man like your all expenses paid anywhere, right? <laughs> like sign me up. Right. No, I appreciate that. So I want to switch gears. Um, and we're nearing the end of the show, but. I don't want you to go too deep into these questions here. As far as um, we're going into investments. I want to mm-hmm. save that for another episode um, in the new year when we get in there. Uh, but talk to me about investments as far as which ones that you're in, you know, currently involved in. Well, um, you're the lead when it comes to real estate, so I, I'm, I'm in it as well. But my 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 section I focus on is crypto. Mm-hmm. So I'm very 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 big into cryptocurrencies, and that's 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 where I focus. So where, where did the interest birth from, like getting into crypto? Like what, what made you jump into it? It's funny. I think we we're having a conversation when we, we, we first met with our partner in the real estate. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, just something came from, something within me was like, okay, you're going to champion the, um, the real estate. Yeah. I need to champion something as well. Mm-hmm. Where you are in the real estate, I can't be there right now. Right but I can be somewhere else right now. Yeah. So I was looking at myself like, is it going to be stocks? I'm like, the learning curve for that might be intimidating. Mm-hmm. That, that's not going to deter me, but is there anything else? And your crypto was something. Right. So I just simply 
when I came to do you, it's like college online, mm-hmm. an app on your phone, download it, and you can buy courses. I'm talking to the audience, get it on special days like Black Friday season or a Boxing Day season or New Year's season. You can get those courses like 80% off. Right. Go learn a skill and, and reignite passions. Long story short, I went on there and looked up a Bitcoin course, uh, got into it, understood the technology to a degree where I could then tell it to other people and realize like there's something, there's something fundamentally huge here and the impact it could have on a financial system. When we realize that every single transaction that we do on the internet, whether it be something of value or data, is going to be migrated to the blockchain. It's just like, this is the field that people need to actually be in right now and focusing on right now where the world is going to go in just a few years, the move that's actually being made right now, little do people know the impact blockchain is already having and the further impact it's going to have on the world. So recognizing that from the local course, I paid like $18.99 for, I was like, no, 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 I need to get into this. So um, that's what spurred that. It's almost like I need to make sure that while you're championing this pillar, I have to champion the next pillar over here because capital needs to come together to, right. to fulfill the dreams we have. That's what's up. Now, do you think, do you think invest, investing is for everyone or, or not? You know what? It isn't. Investment, the opportunity is there for everybody, mm-hmm. but it is not for everybody because investment comes with a, a level of risk and not everybody is willing to actually risk or put any risk mm-hmm. on, a, on a table at all. Right. Um, uh, two stories. I have a friend who it doesn't matter. She's perfectly fine. Just working, getting her money, no matter how many opportunities, the ROI, the, it doesn't matter. All those numbers in terms of throughout her, she's not phased by it. She's like, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need to. I'm, I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with this. And it's shocking to me. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. That's her journey. If she's happy, she's happy. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Second story. As you know, I'm in her area, so I'm doing steals, driving up along steals, approaching bathers. And the thought hit me. There are a lot of apartment buildings here. Mm. And there's a lot of houses over there. <laughs> and no matter what, not every single person is going to be a homeowner. Yeah. Because they still have to be apartment buildings. Yeah. There's going to be more people optically yeah. renting versus those who are actual homeowners. Yeah. Investing is not for everybody. Yeah. Opportunity is there for everybody, but it's not there for everybody because no, not everybody has the risk or the grind or the discipline needed to be like, yo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deal with it when my, my portfolio is t- down 20%. And, and so I'm glad you mentioned it, not necessarily me, but I'm going to second that and echo it because I tell people that all the time, an opportunity that presents itself is not necessarily for everyone. True. So when, when people are trying to tell their friends or family members about an opportunity they should take advantage of and they don't and they get all worked up about why they're not doing what they're supposed to do or they think they should be doing, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. The individual sharing the information needs to recognize that that's not for that person. Very true. Right. And so we need to start looking at those situations and recognizing that really quick so we can move on because otherwise we just wasted time and energy with someone mm-hmm. who's not interested from the get go, you know, the, you know, the whole, the whole, what is it? Horse to the water thing is what's Yo. happening right there. Right. So <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's so true, man. What, what are you most excited about, um, 
you know, at this stage in your life? So we had a conversation. We had a conversation recently and he put me on to a professional. I called the professional and things are going to get set up. And the things that are going to get set up is something I'm very, very excited for mm-hmm. because we're talking about setting up corporations and that, that's great on its own. That's it's getting set up. Um, but the name of the corporation I'm very excited for because it embodies all of, all of my kids and my wife right. into its name. Mm. And um, to know that I'm taking the first steps to be able to leave something very, very tangible for them, should I go or whenever I go, is something that is very dear to my heart and something I'm very proud of. Right. To know that this was something I envisioned doing like two years ago and to know that the groundwork is being laid to get it done now, mm-hmm. I'm very excited for the future. And uh, some, that's something I'm very proud of to know that, listen, I'm setting up some businesses and I have a plan for the different type of corporations that's going to get set up for my family, where my kids can walk into it. And it's it's not just a conversation of like, you talk to people who are somewhat like-minded and they're like, you know what, I'm trying to build generational wealth for my family. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just trying to build generational wealth for my family. What are you doing? I'm right, just <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, no, nah, the steps we're taking is, is like, it's like real, like, yo, this, this is going down. Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm very excited for the future. Very excited. Oh, oh. Now, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. I want to be remem- remembered as, um, and this is important to me, because it was something like in my life. But I wanted to be remembered as somebody who loves his family dearly, who would do anything for his family, who would gladly die for his family. Um, the essence of family makes family doubly more important to me. Um, I wanted to, the lessons my dad taught me in a bad manner, but it's still a positive, though it's a con. It's just the absence of a father, the hurt that comes from that. It's like a driving force in my life to be like, you know what? Don't be like my dad. Mm. That's the best lesson my dad could have given me. He was somebody who was loved by the community. Loved. And I have to touch on this, like loved by the community. And I never told this to anybody, but nobody in the community knew the level of relationship he had with his kids. Mm. I was, there's so much drama, so much trauma. I could go into stories, bro, where it's just like, yo, I have to forget these things. Yeah. And like, yo, people don't even know that this is how this guy treated his son, that he would in public just talk about how great he is, but treated me like crap sometimes, bro. Yeah. So it's just like, I just, I just want to, want to be remembered as somebody who, who really, who loves his family, provided for his family. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good, man. Because I'm just like, as long as they're good, yeah. I'm good. So you said something that was really powerful. A lot of people say it too, which is that, you know, you, you died for your family, but I just want to put it out there that I think it's more powerful for you to live for your family. Very true. Right. So. (laughs) Oh, buddy. (laughs) See, listen, listen, there's so many interactions we have where microaggression is present, where it's just like a certain decision, slight movement, gesture, comment can cause a situation to erupt. Yeah. And a lot of the things that temper my reaction to the fact that, you know what, at the end of the day, 
this stuff isn't worth it because I have a family to get home to. That's it. You see what I'm saying? So I put my ego, I, I, I throw it off a, a cliff so many times because it's just like, at the end of the day, it's never worth it. So you are right. It's, 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 it's admirable to want to, to die for your family, not want to want to die, but admirable to die, but yeah. it's even better to live for them because yeah. it goes back to the point of like having, not having a father. Mm. You know, it's it's like your father died. Right. They're not there anymore, but it's better to to live for your family. 100%. 100%. Before we wrap things up, I have two requests. All right. Um, The first one is leave our listeners with a word of wisdom to guide them on their journey. And once you do that, then I'll I'll ask my second request. Okay. So I'm talking to the audience now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, follow your passions. Um, it's, it's important to have an outlet in life to create, um, create and give to the world, share to the world, because what you have can impact somebody in, in such a way that it passed that on. And, um, if we can do that more, the world could be a better place. So pursue your passions have it be something that you can give to somebody. They can take it, be impacted in a positive manner and potentially change them, their outlook on life and have that trickle effect so that, you know, we can all be better, better individuals. So uh, my final request is not part of the program, but I figure I'll throw it out there and see if I can catch something. Um, can you leave the audience with uh, a couple of bars? Yes, this guy, absolutely. <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, no, it's like I'm I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a family family channel YTV rapper. Go but, for uh, it. Go for it. It's not a family channel either, but go for it. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a thing. Why am I, I? I had a sense of something like this. Okay, you know what? I'll give you this one. I think I I, I give you a shout out in it as well. Okay. Preaching the gospel. This apostle's impossible task is asking you not to bask in a basket of fire. Be careful what you consume. See, ignorance is for hire. <laughs> My desire is in the eye of pariahs dressed in a suit. That combination for the youth. Conversation with Satan, debating what's in the making, kicking his aching. His placement is in the booth as long as he keeps the ratings. But who the judge on the rug, you walk on the nigger roof. The recipe, everything in moderation, the key, the result when you listen to me, you listen to truth. I pray my words pass a polygraph. If it didn't probably laugh, but how to recoup. So I am aiming for balance on my Tai Chi. Let me dust off my shoes. It's been a minute. These moves, them on my views. My image and nothing to lose. I'm hoping the views of it. This picture's painted with brushes, bristles, who painted. Nobody perfect. But everybody knows that good art reflects reality. And I think you deserve it. So excuse me while I start and put that nigga shit on park. Take out all the effort and put in that leather effort, but I need something to spark. Oh, good, I got your ear. Pay attention, this is rare. My intention is to mention all the shit that stopped your engineer we're ending your career. My end is near, but still let my fans know. I'm sorry I ain't 24-7 in the club. Or money pussy bitches or some drugs. Early on some sing-song shit. Or that 24-7 get lit, for sure. On that 24-7 bill shit. And looking for some brothers I can probably build with. Shout out my brother D. We taught our young brother how to be a bigger brother watching his moves and steps. Now I see the bigger picture and I'm embracing that 33. 
No father figures, go figure, middle finger figure, skating like new beginners, all directions on how took on my digits directions. But bless them, we learn a lesson. Look professional, tell me how grateful the way. A lesson's learned from a parent's mistakes. The lead, they get passed on for free. Topics I should touch on. Black power, let me brush on. Bring that long inhale so we can really get a crush on. Happy Cmalenci, they promote nowadays. Forget their content, their images. That's enough to bust a nut on. The history didn't begin with slavery. The books that they gave us after they ripped and pillaged of villages. We never needed your Bible. We already knew who Jesus be. Ooh. Different skin color as they got. I say, what was me? Black inventors. Runaway slaves, Wade Rivers, freedom fighters who unite us in the change that they give us. Wow. Listen, 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 listen. Thank you for tuning in. I want to thank this you, guy. my brother, for doing this and dropping these bars. I appreciate it. Man, now nah, I, I really appreciate you coming on and making this uh, uh, definitely a historic one. Um, a classic one for me. Um, obviously, we have these conversations on a regular basis, so I, it's just a treat for me to be able to share with the world uh, one of our conversations and for them to obviously get to know you in a different space. Um, but there's going to be more. There's going to be another episode where I have Ray on where he's going to actually break down the crypto world for you guys. That's going to be in the new year, so look out for that. Um, but again, I want to thank my guests. I want to thank all my listeners, supporters, download the app. And when you're listening to the episodes, make sure you download them. That's how we get our ratings up. Uh, hit me up in the comments on Podbean if you don't have the app. It's available on all platforms. So wherever you're at, you can definitely listen to it. Um, I mean, I can't ask for more than this, man. I really can't, man. I really can't. I appreciate it. I have the biggest grin on my face right now. But... Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy. Listen, beautiful people. I appreciate it. So until next episode, love, peace, and nappiness. <laughs> <laughs>